Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. Welcome, everyone. This is Lisa Fairman. Um, I own a company called Girl Power Sport, girlpowersport.com, and I'm super excited to be on Kevin's show today. We also have Matt Shea here. Lisa, it's great to be here. And what's most important is we got Mr. Kevin here with us as well, Kevin McDonald. Hello. And today we are turning the tables and we are going to get to interview Kevin. This is frightening. Um, all of the amazing things he's done and why he is motivated to do this amazing podcast, My Independence Report. Kevin, when I first met you, you were very hungry to learn about others. You were not quite an extrovert. You were learning about others. You were prodding it out of them, inspiring them to open up about themselves. And then you turn around and book them on your shows. I love it. It's great. Yeah, well, that's 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 the whole idea. So you know, it's 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 fun for me to play with. It's like I said, this is frightening because normally I get to be in control. You know what it's like being a control freak when you got no control. <laughs> <laughs> that's me. <laughs> that's awesome. And I met Kevin um, on Martha Norwalk's um, show, Positive Talk Radio, and it was great. I just immediately just felt like I had a connection with him. Um, and then I think I, he, he has a shoulder injury and then I almost threw his shoulder out trying to give him a big hug at the end of the end, at the end of the interview. He survived and he's here to tell the story. Well, he certainly is a jack of all trades and probably a master at many of them, but you name the topic, whether I'm talking about my blue collar Seattle days construction, we were talking about boxing, Seattle boxing recently. Or we could get out there and talk a little bit about the psyching concept, astrology, basically any direction. Kevin certainly knows a lot. He sure does. So, Kevin, why don't you start us off with the beginning, um, when you were growing up and what kind of things you were into? The very beginning? <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I've grown, I, I was born in Idaho Falls. And then I, uh, we moved here about three months later. So I've lived here my whole life. And... Uh, um, Grew up in the Ravenna area and uh, just went to school, went, you know, went to uh, Concordia Lutheran School, which I went through grades one through eight. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I had, um, there were 14 people in my graduating class. And there were six guys and eight girls. And I'd gone through the entire school uh, from first grade to eighth grade with those kids. And yeah. so it was, it was really weird. It was, it, I, I lived a very sheltered life because I was very, um, wasn't around a lot of people, yeah. um, and stuff. So it was, and then, and then of course I went to high school and have you, <laughs> have you ever gone to a school where you, you, you grew up with 14 kids for eight years and then you go in to the school that's got 3000 kids. That's going to be like my son next year. So my kids go to Catholic school and they, my son, I think they have 11 kids that he's been with since kindergarten and he's in eighth grade. So we can totally relate. It's he's, they've really grown close, you know, over the years. They're like brothers and sisters. 
That was the weirdest thing, though. You go to the school, and there are people. I'll never forget this. I walked into the school, and before I even got in there, there were kids, boys and girls, and you know, teenagers that were sitting around kissing, and 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 (laughs) and it was like, holy Moses, this is this is really different. Right? You're like, where am I? You landed on another planet. (laughs) It was. But it was, you know, it uh, that was Juanita High School. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it was an experimental school at the time. Mm. Oh, wow. Um, it was, and they called them the Juanita Rebels because they were, um, it was an experimental school. And instead of having six periods, we had 18. 18 periods of 20 minutes each. Wow. And they only, you were only in class 60% of the time. The rest of the time, you were expected to uh, study on your own and to go do your testing on your own and do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the snack bar was was as was huge, and the gym was open all the time. <laughs> and this was a two and a half million dollar gym, so it had it, this gym was so big that you could put the Seattle Symphony Orchestra, both of its trucks. They could play, and half the gym would be empty. Wow! It was they called it the field house, and it was just yeah. really huge. Yes. <laughs> so we still. So my son plays basketball. We still go up there and play, and he's talking about um, Kirkland, Washington. For those of you who. Oh yeah. So you so, go yeah. up there? Yes. Oh wow! Yes. Uh, so yeah. you you live around Juanita? Um. Oh no, but we just when we do tournaments, we go play up in Juanita. So I am familiar, definitely, with the field house there, and you know they're remodeling a lot of the school right now. But yeah. Yes. Yeah. When you talk about the small town element and everybody knows everybody, the sign that says welcome says it on both sides. I knew of somebody on the East Coast where their kindergarten, their grade school, their high school and college was all within a 10-mile radius. Mm -hmm. And then people who knew this person said in the working world, they were deer in the headlights. They were just petrified that there was more to that world than just that 10 square mile area. Yeah. So were you, how did you feel going to that big high school? Did you? Well, uh, (laughs) I enjoyed it greatly because the gym was never closed, you see. Right. right. And I was an athlete or considered myself an athlete at the time. And uh, I really enjoyed. So what, what would happen to me was because I came from a very disciplined first through eighth. I mean, in the, in like, at one point it was like, seventh and eighth were in the same classroom together right. so we all it was very disciplined you get to a place where you're expected to be someplace and but nobody's going to make you get there and at the same time it's like well i got 30 minutes let me I think i'll go shoot some baskets and then an hour and a half later after the class was over it was <laughs> it was it was it was over so it was and in those days they didn't do curriculum testing as far as you being an athlete Right. Because this is back in the 70s. So I could still play football. I could still play baseball. I could still do all that and fail at school at the same time. (laughs) So so how many sports did you do in high school? I did. uh, I was a football player and I did wrestling some and I did baseball. Wow. Yes. So you didn't have time for school. You were too busy. Hell no. (laughs) And not to mention the fact that I had never seen so many girls in my entire life. Right. I bet that was... (laughs) Definitely an adjustment. Yeah, that was was a huge... But but you see, because I'd grown up in a real small school, I didn't know how to talk to girls. Yeah. I didn't know know what to to say to them or or what they meant or anything like that because it was one of those things that, that, you know, you don't... They're a whole different species. I don't know if you know that. Yeah. (laughs) We are, for sure. For sure. (laughs) So did you have lots of girlfriends growing up? Uh -uh. Nope. (laughs) 
Nope. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I had one girl in high school. Now, keep in mind, and looking back on it 40 years later, I would, and my advice to your son would be. Yes. Um, don't settle for one individual. Just play the field a little bit and get to know people. But I, I of course, I didn't do that. I, I found one girl, and she became my high school sweetheart. And yeah. of course, I was a stud on the football team. I was all conference and wow. and was in. It was was really. But and so I could. I had the means. Didn't realize I had the means, but I had the means to do better. Right. Right. So but what? So what position did you play? I was a nose guard. Oh wow! Yeah. So, and I was a 175-pound nose guard, and which was, in those days were, was considered small, but um, I, I was really quick and, and stuff. So I, um, I do have to tell you this story, though. Yes. And because, because yesterday um, we talked with my dad, who's on the other side, and we talked through John Edward. It was amazing. And when I, in my senior year in, in uh, and oh, and you'll appreciate this story. Yes. Because you, you are a Nordyite and uh, you came from, you came from Nordstrom. Um, the, the, my senior year, the first game of the year, we uh, um, were going to play Mercer Island. Now, Mercer Island was the defending <laughs> champion. Right. Yes. And football program. Yes. From 1974, they, they were the defending champion. So, so we were going to play them. We went down to their place in Mercer Island to play them. Well, my dad and my girlfriend at the time and her best friend walked into the stadium, and they were going through the lobby to get to the, um, um, get to the visitor side. And who do they see? Bruce Nordstrom. Oh really? Wow. Yeah, they all live there. I they, think yeah. on the island. And his his son, I can't remember which one it was, but his son was playing on the football team. Mm-hmm. So he was there, and they talked for a little bit, and they said, you know, your your, your son's on the foot, my son's on, the, and stuff like that. And then they went their separate ways, and so the game starts, and um, I have to say the um, and my coach admitted this later on, and the coach of Mercer Island said that he would give me a scholarship offer to anywhere in the country i wanted to go wow. he would he would write a letter for me but the game uh i was um had a couple quarterback sacks had a couple of fumble recoveries and at one time at one point in the game i had like five or six tackles in a row and the the announcer the stadium announcer actually said i didn't hear it but i'm told this later the stadium announcer announcer said and tackle made by guess who because it was like they were like McDonald, 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 and right. and so my dad. That was a moment in time where my dad could look at Bruce, and Bruce told that story for years after that. And my dad, it was like, I, you know, now that I've had boys and and stuff, that would have been a great experience for me to have with the, my boys is right. is for them to do something like that. So, and my dad, to the day he died, thought that that was the coolest thing. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, something that you'll always remember. Oh, and, absolutely. Yeah. I, I I think. About it a, a lot, but I mean that was that was a long time ago. So, but that was my high school. It was was played sports and yeah. had a girlfriend and and did that and and uh, was an academic failure, we'll say. But you you made it through. You passed. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Good. Great. And so then, were you recruited um, to, go I, to college? Or? I got three different scholarship offers for community mm-hmm. colleges. Yeah. But um, there was something a four letter word called work. And because nobody was going to pay me, you know, they were going to pay for the schooling, but they so, so, and I was only 175, 180 pounds. So I would never have gone on to do two more. It would have been nice to go to college though at that time. I went later, but it would have been nice at that time. So what did you do then? I, I went to work for Nordstrom. I sold lady shoes. 
I was 18 years old and showed, sold lady shoes, and that was the weirdest thing I've ever done in my life. And it, did you, were you a good salesperson? Did no. you meet your goals? And, no. No. <laughs> no. I got written up for being, for, for, what the, for those of you who don't know about Nordstrom, it, it, there's something called sales per hour. Mm-hmm. And you get paid straight commission. Yep. And if you don't reach your sales goal where they're having to pay you, because there's a minimum that they, that they would pay you. Yes. If they have to pay you rather than you make commission, they're not very happy. No, with they are not happy. And you get put on a list and it ha- if it keeps happening, you get fired. Uh, yeah. So that, because my dad was Mr. Big Shot right. and he's the one who got me the job, they didn't fire me. They just wrote me up and transferred me. <laughs> so where did they send you <laughs> off to? A gentleman by the game, name of Gary Bijak. I don't know if you know who that is. He was a uh, he was at Aurora Village, which now is a Costco. But at that time, yeah. it, it was a uh, uh, so I stayed there for another six months. And then uh, that just I, I hated it. It wasn't your calling. No. No, yeah. no. Was I, your dad sad when you left? Uh, no, he was actually, I think he was tired of fielding the calls from my supervisor saying, this guy can't cut it. Can I cut him? No, give him another chance. Give him, you know, so he was, no, he was, he was perfectly fine with me leaving. And yeah. uh, so then I decided to try roofing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were strong as being an athlete and. I was yep. being strong, but I'll never forget the one time when I was roofing and the, the owner of the roofing company and his assistant uh, we're standing there looking at my work, going, "How the hell did you do that?" Because it, it was it was crooked, and and so oh, no. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they had to redo half of it, and I decided that wasn't yeah, that me. wasn't it either. That yeah. wasn't for me either. Right. So so I I left that went and had another girlfriend at that point and went to Portland. Mm, yes. And hung out in Portland for a little while and worked at Fred Meyer. I was a night stalker. I don't know if you've ever and don't know what it's like to be a night stalker. I used to be one for Prairie Markets. Oh yeah, that's where you stock the shelves and 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 bring in the the freight and all that kind of stuff. I was strong and young and I could do that. And but uh, working all night was hard. Oh, so, for sure. Yes. Yeah. But, yeah. but then, but then, so when the the uh, Christmas season ended, they said, "Well, you know, we're not going to fire you, but we're going to give you fifteen hours a week." It's like now those are the days. Keep in mind, I made two dollars and thirty one cents an hour. Wow. And uh, my apartment, I had a little apartment, and it was $125 a month. But I didn't make enough money to have a telephone or any of that stuff. So it was, it was, it was sad. So I came back home. You came back home. Yeah. yeah. Up, back to Seattle. Back to Seattle. And stayed here. And then my dad and mom, um, they, they uh, said, we're being transferred to Portland. So we're going to Portland. And, and, and you coming? I said, no, I'm not going to go. So <laughs> at, at that point, I had found what I would call my calling. And that is, I was a graveyard dishwasher at Denny's. Excellent. That was your calling. <laughs> I'd always wanted to get into the restaurant business. Yeah. And you know, I, I have, tr- I've also worked a, a lot in the restaurant industry and I have the most respect for dishwashers. They work incredibly hard and it's a tireless job. And it's also the other thing people don't think about too, is it's hot. It's really warm back there because you've got, all, you know, with all the cleaning and you're right in the kitchen. And so it's a tough job. Yeah, well, you know, the first first day I started there, they had me said they had me be a busboy, and you know, busboy cleans the tables and stuff. Yes, I almost threw up, 
We got the first table I cleaned because it was other people's food and there was food on the table and it was, just, <laughs> it was all chewed up. It's like, it was, oh, you know, so, but you, you get used to it after a little bit yeah. of time. So, uh, but I was working in downtown Seattle at the Denny's. It's no longer there. Mm. Very few restaurants that I ever worked at are still there. Um, but Maybe it's a sign. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sign that I shouldn't, shouldn't be there. So, but I went into, uh, um, so I was a, a dishwasher and then uh, um, I, maybe a busboy and then I was a host and then mm-hmm. I became a waiter and then I became a cook and then all that. Uh, and uh, then I got to travel with them a little bit because I was on the opening team. Wow, good. Which was, those are the days. Do you remember those days, Matthew, when, when Nordstrom was, or when uh, Denny's was a going concern, not like it is today? And they had restaurants they were opening all over the country. They did, and they also had a future for you. If you came in at the bottom, as you did humble, you could climb that ladder and travel. As long and as I, you wanted Samples, to. Samples also had the same package, their competitor. Well, you know what was interesting? <laughs> Sambos, I'm not even sure you're allowed to say that name on the radio these days. Well, they were a chain out there. They were Denny's competitor. I, I know, but do, do you do you remember what Sambo is? Yes, I do. <laughs> and that would not fly today in 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 our. Well, obvious. I didn't mean it derogatory. No, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying right, that. I, I, but but that's why they no longer exist, and and some of the Denny's still do. So. So anyway, I, I just I worked for Denny's and and uh, for a period of time, I went into management, worked. A bazillion hours. Right. That's what, you know, you have to do as a manager. Yep. And I learned that the, I had been a graveyard dishwasher. The most important job in the world when you're the nighttime manager at a Denny's is the graveyard dishwasher. For sure. Hands down. Because if he doesn't show up, you're the graveyard dishwasher. You, that is you. <laughs> exactly. And I've been there too. And that is, you know, just, just the worst. And you, but it, it makes you really grateful, though, when your dishwasher is there. Oh, and you, and you beg for them to show up. And yeah. when they're late, it's like, oh, no, please. Because right. you've been at work since 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. And if you have to stay through his shift, you don't get off till 7 in the morning. And then you've got to be back the next 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Right. So that, that But they're unsung heroes. They're not getting the tips handed. They don't get the compliments. Oh, no, I gave them compliments. Trust me. It's like, please show up. Because there were more than one time that we, you would... Um, a, a waitress would come to me like at 11 30 12 o'clock at night and say do you know where the dishwasher is i said no and maybe they're out by the dumpster and so i'd go out by the dumpster and his apron would be there and he would not be there because oh, they no. kind of just walked off because it was it's it's a tough job it's, it it's, really it's, is. it's a crappy job it, yeah it really is but it's it's important in in how the restaurant runs and everything so and it's you know it's a great place to start for people who are wanting to start out in the restaurant industry because you learn so much and you also have to get along with you know all of the different personalities of the servers to the cooks and often be you know you have to Sometimes you're speaking multiple languages to different people in that kind of environment. I mean, so you do definitely learn a lot. Well, and what I learned there was that that was the type of job that I really wanted to have because I like entertaining people. Yeah. And I, I, I really enjoyed going to work and having people, uh, as a matter of fact, one time I was playing host at the Denny's in downtown Seattle and, uh, and I was doing my normal shtick, which I've done my whole life. And um, this guy comes up to pay, and he says, you know, 
this Danny's has got a different flavor than most of them. It seems livelier. And, and the waitress who was standing next to me pointed at me and said, well, that's because of him. Right. Yeah. You know? And and so I, I, that was my calling. And that's yeah. that's what I really enjoyed doing. It's funny to hear, hear you say that. Sorry, Matt. Um, it was funny to hear you say that because that is what I enjoyed about working in the restaurant industry as well. And, you know, I did a lot of acting growing up and throughout college. And so I love to just be a different character and you could kind of choose your character that night, you know? Yes. So I also had, (laughs) I would say it's my stage name. So when I worked in the restaurant industry, everybody and people that know me from then, I went by Scarlett and (laughs) (laughs) I was like, and people would say, Oh wow. You know, that name just suits you. And I would just smile and say, yes, of course. And I can be either O'Hara or, or Johansson, depending on what mood I'm in. But that is the best thing about working in the restaurant industry, right? And you have a new set of characters that come in every night, right? So, oh, yeah. And so I'm sure you could write a book on all the different experiences and the different people you met along the way, for sure. Oh, yeah. The, the, the uh, um, Danny's was fun. Go ahead, Matt. Yes, we know the name Danny Bonducci. Did I pronounce that right? Danny Bonducci, sure. You bet you. Well, he does local radio here, too. Yes, he does. But between Partridge family and the up and downs in his life, he did an interview about working in a restaurant, and he would get ridiculed. And he goes, what? Do you realize how good I am? He took Kevin McDonald pride in serving those tables, washing the dishes. He knew he was being watched, and he goes, but look how good I am. And he came back with his personality, loved him. And he goes, hey, I was good at it. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I give you an example. One time I was working, and after I left Denny's, I went to work at the Doubletree and uh, was a busboy for them. I'd been a waiter and stuff and assistant manager at Denny's, but the only thing I could get at a fine dining, quote unquote, fine dining restaurant was being a busboy. Yeah. So, and it was when the Doubletree opened in 1980 and I was the first employee of the month because of the, of what I brought to the table. But later I became a, a, a waiter. And if you're the closing waiter, you go, you work until 10 o'clock. Well, that's when we would close. But if somebody came in, you know this. Yes. If somebody would come in at five minutes to 10, you have to serve them. That means that instead of getting out at 10, 10 05, 10 15, you're there till midnight. Right. Yep. That's just how it is. And, and there's also really interesting things about working in a hotel. I always say I've worked in a hotel as well and everybody should work in a hotel just one time. Oh yeah. And you know, it's, it's, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. I worked at the hotels surrounding this place. Mm-hmm. I've worked at the Hiltons, the Marriott's, I loved it. Yeah. Every day was a payday. I got tips every day. People were happy. People would vent on you as if you are a bank teller, as if you're a bartender. Then after they're done with that, they turn on, become their best friend. They adopt you. But I loved it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So this particular time, um, it was five minutes to 10, and this party of six came in. In suits. They just finished a meeting, and they sat down. Only table in the place. Hadn't had a table in like half hour. Of course. Of course. That's, <laughs> how, that's how it works. So And so I was like, God damn it, I want to go home. And so I walk up to the table, and I said, and I, and, and I wasn't friendly, and I wasn't nice, which is out of character for me. And the leader of the, of the table, he, he stops everybody, and he says, uh, what's your name, son? I said, my name's Kevin. He said, okay, Kevin, there's two ways that we can do this. You can relax and we can have a good time or you can continue to be an ass and we're still going to eat and you're going to get stuck with it and you're not going to get a tip out of the deal. So you get to choose. 
Right. Wow. That's, you know, <laughs> honesty for you. It, it was, I learned a valuable lesson that day. And uh, so we ended up having a real good time. But but that's but the, that's the, the, the restaurant business. So I went to the Doubletree and then I became, um, I was a busboy, then a waiter, and then a captain making tableside Caesar salads and opening wine. Nice. And then uh, I became the assistant manager. Then I became the manager. Well, wait a minute. Hold it. Then I went to the bar. No, wait a minute. Then I went to room service. <laughs> and room service is a whole nother animal. It surely is. It surely is. It's like you're walking into somebody's house. Yes. And and you're not quite sure what you're going to find when you, you get never there. never know. I, I can't imagine what it would have been like to be a girl uh, walking into... <laughs> into these guys' rooms to put down the food, and they're standing there in their underwear or their yeah. or whatever they're doing. So, um, <laughs> I never would have wanted uh, if if. <laughs> so I, I worked at the Salish Lodge, and so oh, for those nice of you place. who are listening, that's in Snoqualmie, Washington. And if you haven't been there, um, if you come to Washington, it is a beautiful place. Um, the gorgeous Snoqualmie Falls is there, and so the hotel is um, right there, and. It's a, it's a special place, but I, so I, um, I did not, I wasn't, I, you know, the part of being working in a hotel or really any kind of restaurant or business, right? You often have to wear many hats. And so I was a server there and it's a bartending there, but I, uh, occasionally somebody would be sick and we'd have to help with room service. And I just dreaded it. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, you never know. Like who's going to open the door? Are they going to be dressed, you know? Well, you know, the, has, where to put the thing? You know, it's like it's pretty funny. Matt, have you ever have you ever stayed at the Salish? I haven't stayed there, but I've had their seven course breakfast before. Oh, and breakfast Wa- is waterfall amazing. included. Yes. And how they dip that honey and do it over the back. Right. They make that cup. How in the world do they do that? Yeah. It's I mean, it's it's a it's a special place. But in that in in the rooms there, you have the living room you have the bathroom, and then you've got this hot tub that's in between. I don't know if it's in all the rooms, but it's in the one that we were in. And there's the hot tub between the uh, bathroom and the living room. Not all the rooms, but yes, a lot of them. A lot of yes. them have that. Yes. And so I was kind of curious what it would be like. <laughs> did you <laughs> did you ever have to like serve drinks to people in the hot tub and stuff? So, like I said, it wasn't my you know regular job there. So I, no, but I, I when I ever whenever I had to do room service i would just sort of like drop it and run i was <laughs> <laughs> i don't blame you but it, it was interesting even working in the restaurant and up in the bar area called the attic up above because people would come in straight from the spa and so they would be just bare feet in a robe and then you'd have people really dressed up and so it was a very it, i remember my first day there and i had a couple walk in in their robes just in their robes and sat down and I looked at my manager and I go do I serve them you know like is this okay don't they need to wear shoes they're like oh no it's a hotel anything goes (laughs) a friend of mine got in trouble doing hotel work in this neighborhood what got him in trouble is that it was Jim Carrey he was taken to his room (laughs) Carrey was with buddies and he started knocking on doors running around and pointed said hey we are going to have fun here they made it in this room and then the other people complained about uh, help not being professional. Yeah. <laughs> but he got tipped very well for that. I'm sure. I'm sure he did. All right. Yes, indeed. So, so anyway, yeah. from that from that standpoint, I, I've been in the restaurant. I was in the restaurant business for a long time because I I've done. I, I take pride in the fact that when I became a general manager uh, of several properties, I took pride in the fact that nobody had done a job that I hadn't done for pay. 
That's so important. And so I knew how to do the dishwasher's job all the way to the cook, to the bartender, to the oyster bar, and all, all that stuff, because I had done that and, right. and, and, and stuff. So I really enjoyed the restaurant business, but it's hard work. It's really hard work. And the hours are tough. Yes, they are. So I went into restaurant sales thinking that would be easier. Ha! <laughs> That, yeah. was, that was actually even worse. Uh, the hours are long. I, you know, and what I learned was at one time, this is, a, this is a, and I think the universe is sending me this signal to learn, and, and that was this. At one time, I was uh, general manager of uh, Garcia's in Scottsdale. I had 70, 75 employees, four managers, uh, a, a kitchen manager, and all these people reported to me. And so they were all, they all had to be nice to me because they all had to reported to me. When I went into sales, nobody had to be nice to me anymore. Nope. And they weren't nice to me anymore. And the ego deflation that took place over the course of that and then through the course of the rest of my career, it's, it's, you just don't, it, it's, it's really hard to deal with when, when nobody gives a shit where they live or die. Yeah. Um, just bring me my food um, and, and stuff. So it, 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 that, was, that was probably the hardest thing that I've ever had to do in my career. And how did you stay motivated? Uh, because I had to have a paycheck. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, I really, I enjoyed the freedom because for a while I was just in my car going from restaurant to restaurant. Um, but then I discovered that that wasn't, it, it, I didn't like the style of business that that was because you had, you had to cheat the people who liked you mm -hmm. and the people that didn't like you, you couldn't because they had it set up so that they could get the best price. Oh, so yeah. it was like the mom and pop restaurant where, where you invite me in and, uh, you give me a cup of soup and how was your day? How are your kids? I know everybody and your boss is saying to you at the same time, okay, you have to raise your margins on this account because you can't raise your margins over here. Right. And so the people that you like that you, that you could influence, they were the beneficiary of you not being very honest. And I hated that. That's yeah, that is, that is tough. One of the greatest defeats, a blessing in disguise, is when I was working for Pepsi Cola and I didn't make it into their sales department. They had stories like that where they had to sell 20% more in their region than the year earlier. They had what was called guaranteed sales. They would come in, give you all these gifts, TVs, load you up, and then the following month, it could come back to the warehouse if it doesn't sell. They would take the following month on vacation and some new guy coming up is having thousands of cases returning and going on his marks, on his record. He's getting credit for returns. The people that put it there, they got credit for sale. Unless you knew the dog eat dog jungle, you would not survive. Right. It's a tough, it's a tough business. It's, it's tough. So, mm -hmm. so I was lucky enough after doing that for a while. And then I tried to go back into the restaurant business. That's a whole nother story. But uh, I was lucky enough to, uh, um, I'm one of the few people that you will have ever met who sold chicken nationally. I, I was a national chicken salesman. So I would travel around the country selling major restaurants, different types of chicken from the company that I worked for and stuff. And I did that for about six years and yeah. really loved it. Oh, that's great. That's great. And then I went back into food service sales as a, as a district sales manager. And then the whole thing collapsed. What do you mean collapsed? Well, um, 
I was working for a lion food service. Now, by the way, this is all a God thing in, in my, in my opinion, I was working for a lion food service. I met a friend of mine named Mark and we started thinking about meditation and is this all there is? Why, you know, cause I'd grown up Lutheran, but I just didn't feel like there was un, that that was all of it. And sure. I wanted to know more. And so we got together with, with them and, and uh, started to go to meditation, started to go take classes and, and think about spirit guides and about different things. And uh, um, right about that time, Alliant Food Service was sold to U.S. Food Service. Mm. And he and I had been doing this little radio show um, because I think I've said this story before. Uh, we got really excited about, about doing some kind of a media and uh, we decided that we were going to do, he said, you know, we got to do TV. This is too important. We got to get the word out about this. About the, you wanted to get the word out about kind of spirituality. Spirituality. And, 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 and meditation. Yes. And yeah, great. And that there was more to it than, than we had been told. Mm -hmm. And uh, that we wanted to explore that with people. And explores the psychic realm and the and the astrological realm and and uh, numerology and all. He wanted to learn all about that stuff, and but we wanted to also tell other people that you can also learn about this stuff, and um, this stuff. Anyway, so we uh, um, I looked into TV wasn't possible, but we could buy radio time, and so we started our own little show. It was called Spirit Talk at the time, and we uh, um, we did. Uh, we had people that did meditation. We ran into a good friend of mine who has been there for me for years now. Her name is Kim Miller, and she was a psychic medium, mm -hmm. like John Edward. Yeah. And so we in so we started to do that radio show at the same time that Alliant Food Service was being sold to U.S. Food Service, and they were going to close down the branch where we were. And so I decided that. Uh, um, I really wanted to do radio and really wanted to work at it. So um, I thought that at that time I believed if you do the math, if you can sell the advertising, you can sell what you can do, whatever you want. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I just, I think it's so fascinating that, you know, it, with you and, and your buddy that just as two men just was really drawn to this and then kind of what happened with your, your, um, your business too, because, I, there, I always feel like things happen, you know, Tony Robbins says this, it happens for you, not to you. And so right. with that closing, it, you know, and it had led the door to this and, and to you just, um, you know, working on yourself and wanting to help others and kind of, um, especially with spirituality, I think it's really fascinating. Well, we, I really wanted to do something positive. I wanted to make people feel good about what they were doing, about who they were, and understand that, that it's okay that you can have a wonderful life if you choose to. And at that time, I didn't know any. I, did, I didn't know anything. I didn't know, I, all I knew was that I wanted to pursue this. Well, my friend decided that his name is Mark. He decided, no, nah, I don't think I'm going to pursue that. But my 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 uh, business, they had just closed, and so I called KKNW, and they said, well, we're flipping formats to a block pro programming format, and we have got two hours a day, five days a week available for you. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, as long as you have the money, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. So, yeah. so I went there and was, and started with positive talk and then that, or excuse me, started with spirit talk. And then I changed that to 
uh, the Kevin McDonald show, positive talk in the afternoon. And then that morphed into positive talk, which we did for 10 months, two hours a day, five days a week. And I learned an amazing amount from an amazing group of human beings. Mm -hmm. All of them were interested in positivity and spirituality and, 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 you know, the positive attraction and, and all of those things. So it was, and it, that was really was, if I had to say what was the best time in my life, it was that 10 months. And when, what, when was this? Is this like 90s? This is 2003. Oh, 2003. Okay. Yeah. And, and the sad thing is that we, I, I started the show in January of 2003. We evaded Iraq in March of 2003. So there was a lot of negativity. There was yeah. a lot of fear. There was a lot of uh, uh, angst going on at the time, and, and I really wanted to provide a forum that would be positive for people, that they could really kind of park themselves away from, from the stuff of life and just enjoy themselves. What I really appreciate you, Kevin, is that you keep on doing the hands-on experience while you peddle Kevin, but Kevin's there to learn, and as you learn, you bring in people but you also adjust. You go with the flow of things while you're maintaining your values. You've done that since you've entered the working world. That's I, I would say that's 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 probably true. But but the sad thing is that this is back in 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't sell the advertising, KKNW, like any good business, will say, no, you know what, you're not going to be able to do this. And so in the course between 2003 and 2008, um, when I had to leave, I tried several other radio shows, but I couldn't sell the advertising and it just wasn't able to work. So that cost me my marriage, cost me my house. Uh, my father died at that time. My dog uh, died on Valentine's Day. Oh, um, so, so that period of time was like a good country Western music song. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So the dad died, the dog died, the house went away, the wife went away, you know, and, and, uh, and all of and, and that was the that was a negative part. Your passion cost you everything. It did. Yeah. It, 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 it did and it didn't. Because if I had taken it like, okay, my dad dying wasn't a good thing. My dog I had to put down on Valentine's Day. That was not one of my best days. Uh, but at the same time, I had learned so much and I felt positive about the future regardless. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah. In in 2007, I was cl- nearing bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. Um, I had just hit a uh, a bridge with a rental truck. <laughs> oh my goodness! And uh, which was which was rather I, at 35 miles an hour. The 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 trestle was at at uh, eight feet, seven oh. and a half feet, and the and the and the rental truck was at nine feet. And so I hit it at 30 miles an hour, knocked myself out. And, um, and of course killed the truck. Um, the, 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 uh, it was, it was so destroyed that the back bumper was sitting on the ground. Wow. You're familiar wow. with the Arboretum. They have that yes. cobblestone bridge so many times a year that makes the news with the rental truck. Well, I, I'm so pleased because I was the one who forced them to put up signs on either side of that bridge. Are we wow. talking about the same bridge? No, we're talking the one that's right over here in, in down here in Kent, um, and 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 so, and that was like a twelve thousand dollar that they wanted me to pay for for that and stuff. Wow. So, so at that point in time, I was running out of money, and uh, a 
a friend of mine, her name is Kim Miller, and I've mentioned her before. Yes. Came to save my life. Wow. And so what happened? She called me up one day. I was, I was telling her about my bridge accident. And so she called, she called and I explained it all to her. And uh, she said, well, you know, my partner, her name is Julie, is a supervisor with King County Metro. Why don't you apply to be a bus driver? I said, I don't think so. Being a bus driver, are you kidding? And she said, no, it's a great job. And, and uh, Julie can kind of help you find out who to talk to and stuff. Yeah. And so I did that. And uh, um, because I had to jump through a bunch of hoops because I'd been self-employed and, and stuff. So they wanted extra things. But I finally, in 2008, I got hired at King County Metro, which literally saved my family's life. Because mm. my wife had, had left and had no means. Uh, oh, wow. My kids, uh, one was 16, one was 18, 19. And uh, uh, they both needed help and they needed financial assistance i had health problems and i had great medical and so yeah. I, I i spent the next 11 years working at king county metro mm. yeah you know and i think what's really interesting about your story is and and a lot of times you know um if you are willing with your passion if you are willing to lose everything in order to to keep going and to keep you know it will be even greater in the long run. So to you, this, your passion with, um, you know, just sharing this positive talk and sharing spirituality and, and all of that. Um, I mean, those trials, you know, I think that they, as hard as they were, they happened, you know, for you. And so you had to go through that and to really learn from that and to kind of lead you to where you are now. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. and in fact, I forgot to tell you that I got sued for $50,000. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Anything else, Kevin? <laughs> no, it'll, 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 I'm sure it'll come up. But see, this was, I was trying to do, I was trying to work with a gal and be her executive producer. She wanted to do a, a uh, um, production company. And she didn't want to pay me. And, and I was working part-time at, at King County Metro. So I uh, told her she needed to give me a little bit of money and, and, um, when that fell through, she couldn't afford to do that. We couldn't make any money story of my life. Um, I couldn't make any money in the, in the, in the media business. So, um, I said, well, I'm going to quit and we're not going to, I'm going to, going to work with you. Well, she decided to take exception to that and sued me for $50,000 along with another gal. Um, oh and, but what I've learned, the, the story that I've got out of that one was the gal that got sued with me, her name is Jamie. She was she worked for her she had five kids she was on welfare she had nothing and she was working for a nonprofit for this lady who i'll keep nameless so i don't get sued again uh, good idea <laughs> and and uh um so when we both got sued now this girl she she grew up in the trenches. She grew up in the, in in the East East Tacoma, and it's very rough there. So she was not going to take anything kindly. So she decided we got together and we decided we were going to fight this thing. 
And she didn't have a lawyer. I didn't have a lawyer. And the other person didn't have a lawyer. So we were just going to go in. And she thought she could just slam dunk it. Well, Jamie was like a bulldog who grabs onto your leg and doesn't let go. Mm, she just yeah. kept going and going and going and going. She, she didn't is, give up. No, she, she did not. And because of that, she went. And she also had another kid along the way. But because of that, she is now a paralegal. Wow. Good for her. Good for her. It was. So it was. A, it was. And that story told me. That even though what appears to be at the at the at the gra- ground level a, a real negative, it doesn't have to be. Right, Kevin, you paid the price of pain for this passion and lost everything, and then you live sharing the experience so that others don't feel that pain, and still they instead they see a clearer path for a future. Well, and, and that's fu- what you're about, guy. Yeah. Well, the future. The, the beautiful thing is, is that I. The universe allowed me to work for Metro for 11 years mm-hmm. so that, and, and this is, and this is what's happened in the last six months. So if you're pay, if you're listening, please pay attention because this is important. In the last six months, I, I had tried to get a podcast started for a couple, three years. I wasn't, it wasn't, didn't feel right. It wasn't, I didn't have the right name. It wasn't what, it wasn't working for me. So in this last August, July, August, I started putting old, I I went through, I've got literally hundreds of CDs of interviews that I've done and of shows that I've done in the past. And I started going through those and I said, Hey, you know what? These aren't half bad. Yeah. Well, you've interviewed some amazing people. I have. I've been, I've been just internally blessed to have interviewed people like Neil Donald Walsh and, and Gary Zukoff and, and. Uh, Tony Ventrella and all, all kinds of wonderful human beings, and uh, so I started putting that together, and then then I then so I, I I couldn't come up with a name. I didn't want to use Positive Talk Radio anymore because I, it it just didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. So my son comes to me one day and says, "Well, what do you think about uh, my Independence Report?" And I said, "Well, I don't know." And it took me a while to, to decide that that was going to work. But now, if you listen to the opening. Of, of what I do. It works out just beautifully because my in the, I'm declaring my independence from hate, negativity, and fear. Yeah, which is amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, and, you know, I think what you're doing, um, you know, there's always going to be fear in the world, and right now there's a lot of fear in the world with the coronavirus, and, and so people do need an outlet for, for positivity, for their faith, for their growth spiritually, and I think that's really wonderful that you're dedicated to give people that. That is, like I told you, then the last, and I'm not, I'm not sure if I told you, but in the last day that I did positive talk before they kicked me off the air because I couldn't afford it, mm-hmm. um, a gal called me up and, and said, uh, we're on Bainbridge Island and, and I'm a, a, a caregiver of an Alzheimer's patient and we listen to you every day. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. And it, 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 and it mattered. It mattered that I had an, a positive impact. It's like when I was, it's, but it's no different than when I was a waiter. Right, yeah. And mm-hmm. I, could, I could take a table and I could give them a good time and they had a great time and, and, mm-hmm. and stuff that made me, it gave me the same feeling inside. Yeah, if you can affect one person, one person, you know, I feel like it's worth it. And I always tell my kids, um, you know, you never know who needed that smile today, you know, at school or somebody you never know what that meant to them. And so for your listeners, you will never know how you've touched them and how you have, you know, through your pain and your struggles, it can help them with their pain and their struggles and to, to make reason of it and to find a way to keep going. 
Well, what I've learned is is that uh, um, it never ends. You have if if you keep going because you know the lawsuit, and I thought, well, you know this radio thing, this isn't going to work for me, and that's media stuff. Well, fooey. There's a bunch of idiots that are in that business, and I hate to say it, but like every business, there are a bunch yeah, of idiots yep. that are in that business. Yep. And uh, but this this fall and and winter have been nothing short of spectacular, and let let me go through that. So the the podcast started to go. And it started to get hits. I started to put uh, stuff, uh, old shows together, and people started listening to it. We've now, you know, I've started getting like a thousand downloads a month with those old shows. So I decided that I was going to do new shows. And but in the meantime, I've been having some health issues. So in the fall, I had uh, my elbow had to be surgically worked on. So I was out of work, and so I worked on the podcast there, which was great. And then. Um, while I was doing that, I was living in an apartment in Kent, $1,500 a month, 1500 bucks a month for this apartment in Kent. And so I don't know where the thought came from. Uh, I, there's a couple of people that I know at Metro that, that are in this 55 plus, uh, mm -hmm. mobile home community, which is where we are today. Yes. Yeah, beautiful spot here in Seattle. And, and so I went and, uh, um, found a real estate agent. We went touring through it, found a house that Matt was going to buy but didn't buy because he said somebody else was going to buy it instead. That voice in my head said, get close to this place, but it's not yours, but you'll be in here. It let me know that. And, and so I, I came and I bought the place. It cost me half of what the apartment did to, to live here. And, it's, and so now it gives me the freedom to be able to do more. My elbow got better, and I was moving in here and fell and, and tore my rotator cuff. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But that was a good thing mm -hmm. because now um, it's going to give me the freedom to be able to work with, because like working with people like you two, um, it's, it's remarkable that, that you guys are just showing up. He just, he just showed up and you just showed up and it's remarkable that you do that. And I thank you for both, both for it. Cause yeah. it, you know, cause you're going to be on the ground floor of, I believe what is going to be a big deal. I think so too. I mean, I think that, you know, that I was like meant to meet both of you and you've all, both already touched my lives. And, and I think if, if we can just give just a little piece of that to um, those listening, you know, that what an amazing thing. It is just, it's so important to me that people understand that, that even though, excuse the expression here, but this is internet radio, even though shit happens. Yeah. And bad things happen. They don't have to define you. Right. Right. Exactly. They don't have to define you. And, you know, I think in any situation, you can learn from it. Um, one of my great idols, uh, Diane von Furstenberg, she had kind of this amazing life. And, and whenever I, she's a fashion designer and she's one who um, came up with the wrap dress for women listening the, in, during the 70s. And so that was her way of kind of showing women that they can be strong and powerful. And she tells a story about her mother who, um, so they're from Belgium and um, they're Jewish. And her mother had um, early on during World War II went to, um, concentration camps and she was at three different ones including Auschwitz Ooh. and uh, for the whole entire war and so when she gets out and she goes to the hospital and they check 
um, they go through and they um, do their checkup on her and she weighs 49 pounds, 49 pounds. Oh my God. And it's recorded in the hospital records. They asked her, they said, how is your health? And she said, excellent. (laughs) And her story, you know, and they told her, you know, you're probably not going to be able to have kids, you know, and she ends up having Diane who ends up touching all these women who encourages them. And, you know, so it is what you make of it. And I, you know, I think of that story. I think of that story when I wear Diane's wrap dresses and I think of her mother and I think of people who go through things like that, you know, and, and it's, it's truly remarkable that, that people can rise up and, and still live on to, to encourage and help others. Oh, clearly. And Kevin and both of you, for that matter, you use that um, four-letter word that it happens with life. Well, be proud to show it. Be proud that you made it through because you're doing the ultimate. You're inspiring others. You're using yourself as testimony. Everything about you, Kevin, you laugh at yourself. You encourage. You show you got knocked down, but you got back up. Mm -hmm. And you drug through mud. Well, you got something to show for it. You made it out. But you stop. You do everything you can to encourage people to move along and to lessen the pain. It's very warm when you can share this with others. That's what you do. Well, it's, it's, I don't know if it's part of my DNA or where it came from, but I'm told that when I was a little kid that, that uh, I would just smile at people if I was in my playpen or whatever. So I don't, I feel like that this is my calling. And if you talk to some of the people that that are really close to me, like my, my dear sister, who is, who's really close to me, she will tell you, and even though she doesn't necessarily subscribe to some of the um, out-there beliefs that I may have, um, they're all designed to be, to, for people to live their lives more authentically and to recognize that it's okay, that they're going to be fine. And, and like my, my sister got to talk to John Edward yesterday which was a life-changing experience for yeah. her. And if you if you would like to hear that, you can go to my independence report. And, oh, and, and, you're good. And listen to that. And um, also just if you are enjoying enjoying the podcast, please like it and and make a comment. You can listen to us on Spot I listen to it on Spotify or Apple or wherever you go and follow us, like it, make a comment and please share it with other people. <laughs> it's kind of kind of sad. Last night I was having trouble sleeping, so I listened to these episodes. And there, there's one in particular that I don't know if you've listened to it yet. I call it the Psychic Car Wash. Oh, I haven't heard that one yet. I got to find it. You need to listen to that. That that one was fun because the, and that goes back all the way back to the beginning. And it was one of those episodes that I had a human beha- human behavioralist, a um, uh, astrologer, and a uh, sound healer. Wow. They were all there together and we were taking calls and they each in turn would talk to people about how they could live their lives a little bit more authentically and to deal with the problems that were there in their lives because we all have problems. Yeah. You know, when, when people say, well, you know, he's on the radio now and, and he had a radio show and, and stuff like that. Well, they don't recognize that in 2003, 2004, 2005, it was like it was excuse the expression again but it was a shit show right it, yeah it was bad you needed george Strait to write a song about you yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it, it it was one of those things and and i kept but i kept getting up it's it's mm-hmm. like when i was we were talking about boxing earlier um before the show and i was a boxer for a short period of time and i got knocked down in the second round broke my cheek blood mm-hmm. everywhere and i got up at the count of five wow 
I saw two of everybody, mm-hmm. but I still got up at the count of five. Yeah. So, so it's you, mental toughness, right? It's, it's You've got to get up. Yeah. You've got to get up because things, things in your life are not always going to be perfect. It's not, you know, it's, it's not puppy dogs and sunshine all the time. But if you can relay the fact that, that you can get through it and work with your guides, with your God, whatever it is, then, and, and touch those and touch that spiritual side. And I don't care if you're how religious you are or how spiritual you are or whatever. If you touch that and recognize that people on the other side are there for you to help you and to, and to move you through the difficulties that you have in life, it works out. And, and it, it's, it always, it's always going to work out one way or the other, I think. Yeah. At least for me, it did. Yeah. Yeah, so far. Although on Tuesday, I'm having my surgery. So I'm having my rotator cuff uh, operated on, and we'll see how that goes. Yeah. And we'll all be thinking of you, Kevin. And, you know, I think um, when you talk about calling and your your purpose, and and for those of you who are, who are thinking about maybe doing a different career, and, you know, what an amazing thing for you to just persevere with this, do other jobs, do things, but really keep holding on to that. And, you know, for you to make your passion and your calling your job and your life and it's you know it's live or die right like you are gonna it's gonna you're gonna make it happen and whether that takes you know six months 10 years to however long you have really held true to that and I think that's really commendable well thank you Kevin the last show we did together you were remarkable in pointing out all these successful household names who when you go back in their past you bet they had their trials. They got knocked around. They had to live to fight another day. And they keep putting out to those of us who are one step forward, two backwards. All of the winners went through that mud just as you have. Well, you know, and, and it's, it's not even that I would equate us as winners and losers in this game. It's a matter of we can all win. We can all win. Yep. We can, mm-hmm. we can all work together to, yes. and, and whatever your passion is, as an example on the last Sunday show that we did, and here I am taking over again, sorry. but It's your show, it's okay. <laughs> but when, when we did the Martha Norwalk show, and we were talking about, and I was drilling you on it, Matt, what's your passion? Why do you do it? Why did you write the books? Why did you do that? Why do you have the company? Why are you running like a million miles a day? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm crazy. <laughs> But it's your, it's your pet, by the way, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, she's going to do a 50 mile marathon. I don't even know how that you do that. How you, I know after it, I'll have to come in like, you know, crawling in to do that. <laughs> but, but, but what amazes me is that, that there are people out there that their stories need to be told. Um, and they need, people need to reflect on what they can do for themselves without having the pity party of woe is me. Because, you know, one of the reasons why all this stuff has happened to me is so that I can say, you know, it ain't easy, but you can do it. Yeah, exactly. You know, yep. and, and you don't have to have a pity party about, I got sued and I ran into a bridge and I got had to declare bankruptcy. You know, because all of that, all that's gone on. Yeah. And I lost my house, lost my wife, lost my dog, lost my dad. Yeah. It's like, let's sing a country music song. <laughs> you know, and all of that happened in, in such a short period of time. <laughs> my poor sister was like, oh, please. Nothing. It's, it's, so this last fall, when all this stuff has turned, and uh, um, from from like August to now, when it continues, even though people, well, you're going to have an operation. It's my second operation in three months, but that's okay. 
because I'm 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 good. I'm I'm really and she was like, it's about time something good happened for you. Yeah. Because things have been happening that that suck for a very very long time, but in my world they didn't. It's, right. You know because it is what you make it. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. my son said we were we, we were talking with the real estate agent when we were going to buy this house, and and uh, um, I was with my oldest boy Travis, and he said, uh, um, and we were talking with the real estate guy, and, and they said, well, you work at Metro, and 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 I said, yeah, it's it's, it's a good job, and Travis said. And, and this will be dear, near and dear for me for the rest of my life. He said, that job saved our family. Mm, it's, yeah. it saved, it's just literally saved our family. And it did. And it, and I may go back to it. I may not. Mm-hmm. If you're listening, Metro, forget I said that. Uh, but, you know, it depends. But I got, yeah. I, I'm not going to be able to work for about uh, seven or eight months. Mm-hmm. So we've got, and I say this collectively, we, you, Lisa, you, Matt, me and the people that are listening here, we have got eight months to create a, a movement. Amazing. And that movement needs to be getting rid of negativity, getting rid of hate, getting rid of fear, and living life more authentically and helping other people, especially now with yeah the, with the pandemic going on and with the it's it's a silly season as far as the the election goes. Right. Exactly. A lot of negativity around that, and and you know I think one thing that is really sticking out to me about your story is, you know, you didn't necessarily, you weren't trained to be like, you didn't go to the best broadcasting school and, you know, to, to do what you're doing. And so a lot of times people think I can't do it because I don't have the training. I don't have the skills, you know, with my running, I had, it's very unusual that somebody with the heart condition that I have, I don't get full lung capacity that they would run. And, and so I think, you know, it's like how, how do you convince your mind you can do it? Because if you can convince your mind, you can do it. Even if you don't have the training, even if you don't have, um, you know, the skills or the, even the means. And so with you, Kevin, it's taken a while, but you were, you know, you're, you're getting there. It's amazing. You know, it wasn't in, when I first started doing this on KKNW and, uh, and doing the positive talk and that, that 10 month run, I didn't know if I was any good. I was pretty sure I wasn't very good, but there was a message. And I wanted to get the message out. I wanted people to understand that, that there is more, that you can have more, that you can enjoy life. And, and, and I wanted to present people that could do that for them. And it wasn't until I was like seven or eight months in to doing that when I started getting feedback like, you know, you interview really, really well because I was going to ask that question and you did. You know, I was thinking about that. And, and, uh, and then near the end, we had, and the, the podcast is, is up, we, we had uh, Pramal and Mitten. They're a, a singing duo. And uh, we had been struggling to get listeners. And normally if we gave away a CD or something, we would be like, well, we'll take the first caller and the second. And, <laughs> and then, then, then five minutes later we'd go, well, we're still waiting for that caller to call in for the CD <laughs> and stuff. And, and so. And so they, they, we did a week long promotion with them and, uh, they were going to come in on Friday and we started the promotion. We're going to give away a CD a day. And I had one of the, uh, one of the gals that worked with me and she would, um, um, talk about the CD a little bit. We'd sometimes play a song or whatever. And the first day she said, okay, we're going to give away a CD for them. We'll take the first caller and, uh, um, got a call right away. Mm. 
And then on Tuesday, she said, and I said, well, let's stretch it. Let's go second caller. Yeah. See if we get action. See if anybody, yeah. Let's see if we get two. And uh, so we uh, uh, we did that, and the phones lit up, and we instantly got two. On Wednesday, we said, okay, we're, we're feeling our oats. We're going to be really good. We're going to do three today. So we did the third, and it was gone before the song was over. Mm. And then on the next day, this told me that we were starting to gather momentum and getting an audience. Yeah. And on the fourth day, uh, we we said, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna take the ninth caller." And I and I accused the gal who said, "We're gonna take the ninth caller." And he said, "Because you wanted the CD for yourself, you don't want to give it away, do you?" <laughs> and so she said, and "So we did the ninth caller, and before the song was over, we got nine calls and gave away the CD." Mm-hmm. That's when I knew that the show was on its way to being a success. Yeah. At the same time that I ran out of money. Yeah. Yeah. And had to give it up. You do not believe in barriers. You attack the concept of a barrier. And if something is stopping you, you're going to keep whittling away at it. You do not let something stop you, and you will not allow that to happen to another person. Yeah, the, key, the key is follow your passion. We all have passion, but, but, but a lot of us just say, well, I'm just not capable of it and, and stuff. I'll, I'll tell you, you're an actress. I'll tell you one other real quick story and which really validated who I am. And that, that is I w- was going to go to Green River Community College. Me and a friend were going to, when we were standing, uh, ready to uh, go into auto body. And anybody who knows me knows that I don't even like cars. Why would I want to do auto body? But he wanted to do it, so we were going to go in there. And he, at the last minute, said, no, I'm not going to do it. So... I was standing there and the drama table was standing there. So I went over to talk to him and signed up for theater extempore and, and beginning of, of uh, drama. And um, so I just did that and it was like 22, 23 at the time. Hadn't met my wife yet. Met her there at the college mm-hmm. and stuff. But um, so I started doing theater extempore and the uh, um, beginning uh, of drama, which they teach you how to do um, um, uh Improvising. Thank you. Yeah. Improvising, whatever. Yeah, improvisation. Improvisation, that's it. There you go. And so they teach you how to do improvisational theater. And they said, okay, what we want you to do is go to the zoo, find an animal that you would like to uh, um, mimic. And then you come back here for class, and then the first step is going to be you're going to act like that animal. Fine. Yeah. And then you're going to act like a caricature of that animal. Then you're going to act like the human with that animal's characteristics. And this is going to be over a three week period of time. And so I chose a turtle. (laughs) (laughs) Why I chose a turtle can't begin to tell you, but I chose a turtle. And, uh, um, and so we finished that three week deal. And the third week I, I was being fired by a guy who was playing a bear. And I was the turtle, and uh, and he said, "You're fired." And I said, "You can't fire me. I have a wife and three eggs at home." And everybody just lost, you know. That was really funny, and everybody <laughs> lost their mind and stuff. And I saw this young lady talk to the director in the back, and because I was kind of hunched over, I was acting like a turtle would act. And uh, she and she comes up to me after class and says. We're doing the uh, uh, production called Dark at the Top of the Stairs. The guy who just played Punky Givens, which has no lines, this particular character, but he's shy and is very physical uh, uh, comedy, um, he just quit. 
we'd like you to do that role. Wow. And I, and I said, well, what is this? And it was like just a school, you know, little thing. It was it was the major school play for the fall, mm. and and so I got to play Punky Givens, and wow. and it was and then and then uh, uh, so I started to get into that. Then I got to, to do uh, a Fiddler on the Roof, and it was Laser Wolf. <laughs> did, did, are you familiar with that? Oh play? yes, I'm very familiar. Laser Wolf the Butcher. <laughs> It was, and it was, which was great fun. I bet. And then in the fall, and then in the spring, I did Taming of the Shrew. <laughs> and I was Petruchio. <laughs> I was skinnier then. <laughs> Love it. It's great. It's great. Yeah. So you're. So what I learned from that was if you persevere and keep on going and not. Um, it, it's okay to get knocked down, but keep getting up and keep working at it and do it with a positive attitude. You will, you will win. You will get what you want out of life. And even if you don't, you're going to have fun while you're doing it. And you'll have fun. Yep, exactly. Yeah, it's you important. Know, so that's, that's, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. That's great. Well, my 14 year old says you're funny. So that's, <laughs> that's a win. Is that the, a boy or a girl? Boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, mom, Kevin's funny. He's funnier than you. That's what he says. <laughs> Course. <laughs> of course your mom your mom you're never going to be fine but right. we see and the thing is it's 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 funny because my kids sadly have been around me their whole life so they know my shtick yeah and so when i when i start doing it they're like oh dad come on please knock it off would you please <laughs> you know so but it's but that's that's the root of life is to is to have fun yeah and, and to enjoy and and to enjoy yourself and uh, you're familiar matt are you familiar with the uh um, be, do, have paradigm. I think we've talked about it before. You've thrown a lot of them at me, so refresh me. Okay, this is, this is, there are people who, in our world, who believe that in order to have happiness, you have to do things that make you happy, and then perhaps that you will, at the end of the day, be happy because you're doing things to make you happy. Mm. I, I look at it completely different. First of all, if you, it's called the be, do, have. First of all, you be happy. You do the things that make you happy, and then you'll have happiness. Love it. That's great. Because if, you, if you're waiting to be happy until you do all the things that you're supposed to do in order to then be happy, you're never going to be happy. You'll never be happy. Yeah. If you're waiting for that one thing, like you're not, you got to be happy now. Yeah, and and it's just live live your life as if you're you're happy, and it's okay. Mm-hmm. That's in traffic jams. It's in, and I'll tell you, I learned this while I was driving a bus. For those of you who've never driven a city bus, it can be rather stressful, yeah. and there can be people that are just rude to you and nice, not nice to you. I, I I said this to somebody. I said I make it my habit of mine to say hello to everybody that gets on my bus. Yeah. Hi, how you doing? How are things? How twenty percent of the people respond? Yeah, five percent of those respond negatively. Mm. I've had, <laughs> I've had people that they get on my bus, they pay their fare, they start walking down the aisle. I say, "Well, thanks, have a good day," and they turn around and say, "What the hell you say?" <laughs> oh <my. laughs> I'm not kidding. I was like, "No, I said have a nice day," <laughs> and they're like, oh, "All right." And then they turn around and walk away. Uh, but that's, but I've learned that over, over time. And, and that's why I'm attracted to people that like you guys that are interested in the positivity of life 
and you're interested in learning about stuff and and you're just natural by the way i think you're pretty funny too i'll say that to your son yeah i won't tell him (laughs) (laughs) something i love is to be early i like to not be in a hurry in those traffic jams i could let people ahead of me i could let them all in ahead of me i could wave at them without being facetious i like it when i'm not painted the corner so how many uh, fingers do you hold up when you wave at them all One? of them. Oh, all no, of them. They, they, they don't get half a victory. They get all five. Oh, uh, very good. I, I wish I could say that I was uh, pristine and, and and perfect in that regard. But you know, it's you have you have moments. You have moments. Oh, for sure. Everybody but, does. But I learned one time. As I was, I was driving, I was late. I hate being late. Hate it, hate it, hate it. Which is why I can be, you can work at Metro because if you're a minute and a half late, you lose your shift and they, and if you do that three times, they fire you. Mm. So you can't ever be late there. So I I hated to be late. But this one day I was driving in and I hit every light. Mm. And then I hit grandma and I didn't hit her, but I was behind grandma (laughs) who was going 10 miles below the speed limit. And I was getting more and more frustrated, more and more frustrated, more and more frustrated, more and more frustrated. And then I stopped and said, you're doing this, aren't you? Meaning the other side was teaching me a lesson. Mm-hmm. Relax. You'll get there. It's not going to change anything. And, they, and so when you, t- when you change that paradigm mm-hmm. from being, I'm going to be angry to it's okay. Yeah. I will get there. And it's going to be fine. Right. Your life is a lot better. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And you're like, maybe with that happening, you know, for you instead of to you, maybe it was a good thing because maybe there was a big accident that's going to happen up ahead. Right. Or you you don't know. Well, you know, know, and the thing is, is that then, and I know this was about me, but I wanted to tell you, we need to tell your story a little bit because you've had heart condition. You've had multiple heart surgeries. You, you have your own company. You are running marathons. You are doing, you are the type of person that I choose to associate with because you're so awesome and, and you can really help people. That's really sweet. I, I feel like, you know, I anything I have to give, I'd like to give. And I really appreciate you, Kevin. And I, I am so excited and look forward to this podcast and get to see all the great people that you bring here um, and, you know, continue to do so. So I have just one more question for you. Yes, ma'am. Who was your favorite person you've interviewed? John Edward. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Which was, which was, I got to do him yesterday. Yeah. And I wasn't kidding when I, when I said there are two people, there's one guy yet, but he might not out, you know, outlive it. That's Paul McCartney. I would love to interview him, but, but John Edward, because, because of his connection to the other side and, and his, his philosophy of life, because it's, and so he was, because like, I, I wasn't kidding when I said I fell out of my chair, <laughs> because my, I called my sister and it was like, guess what? <laughs> You're not going to believe this. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And, and, uh, she, and she knew who he was and she didn't, she didn't believe it either. Um, uh, and, but what that told me was what he does in, in the work that he does with, he asked the other side for validation, mm-hmm. validation as to who he's talking to a particular, um, um, thing that will apply only to that family. Mm-hmm. What he gave me was the validation that we're, not, that we're on the right path yeah. and we're doing the right thing. And what I'm finding is that when people find out what the podcast is about mm-hmm. and the, the, the direction that we are taking it in, a, in working to be as a real positive place, 
Yeah. Everybody wants to be part of it. Mm-hmm. They don't know about it yet. Go ahead. Yeah. Our friend Eileen, her and Doug Johnson, he is incredibly psychic. And they told me a few interviews ago that if I'm going to move, stay in the neighborhood. And when I made that move, which is equidistance now because where I just moved, they said, stay put. You don't have to do anything. It's coming. They kept saying that, saying that I met you here. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I, the secret was not to move. It's coming. It's right there in your lap. Well, and, and we all have the ability to do great things. Yeah. And you're, you're doing great things. You've written eight books. You've got 30 books in the in the works. 40. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Amazing. 50. Maybe you ought to finish one before you start another one. Don't you think? <laughs> this summer I'll have one out. Okay. Fabulous. You know, and, and so we all have got the ability to do whatever it is we choose to do. Mm-hmm. You have to believe it, though. Yeah, you have to believe it. Yeah. And you have to convince your mind before it happens. So you, you have to, you know, um, declare that in your mind, see it happen, see it in your mind, and then it will happen. I, I, I really believe that. There was yeah. a period of time years ago, because at one time I figured, well, I'm going to be a bus driver and I'm going to retire being a bus driver and I'm just going to sit there and I'm just tough. And, and there was something in me said, no, mm-hmm. you're not allowed to do that. Yeah. Um, you've got you've got work that you have to do, mm-hmm. and then somebody would say, "Oh, I'm sorry, you fell and broke your shoulder, and and you're gonna and you're gonna have to have shoulder surgery, and you're gonna be off work for eight months." And somewhere inside of me, it's like, "That's God's plan." Yeah, yeah. It was a dream of mine, lifelong dream, to be a long haul trucker, and I did that a couple of years ago. And then when I parked the semi in Sumner, that voice came out. And it said, you do not return, return the keys now, you are done, you're not long haul. It was commanding, and I did that, and it took me this path. Mm-hmm. But I had just moved in here, and when I parked that truck, I came in from Utah, I was told, that's it, mm-hmm. spiritually, and I handed the keys back and walked away. Mm-hmm. Was that yeah. a fearful decision on your part? No, it was enlightening. It was like, really, we're going somewhere, where are we going? I was enthused, it was just a lift. I didn't know what was ahead of me and I was writing books the whole time and that's my square number one passion but you had the faith to believe and you know to to be there and open for what was going to happen next yes Mm -hmm. and that you you need to have Mm -hmm. you don't need to do anything but that if you choose to do what you you what your passion is Mm -hmm. you can make that work right it can happen for you you know because my passion was was performing I love to perform. I got to do that on the stage, got to be a disc jockey when I was a kid, got to do the radio show at great cost, I might add. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, I, quite frankly, in after it's all worked out, and it's okay, folks, my ex-wife is much happier with who she is now than, than with me. I'm much happier doing what I'm doing than with her, and, uh, and I can now, I have the freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got the freedom, and the yep, yeah, and the time, the freedom and the time and the contacts because I'm we are going to talk to some extraordinary people. We have one on tomorrow. Her name is Stephanie Koch, and and she she's a makeup artist. I mm-hmm. should have you call in. I'll call in. Yeah, I love makeup. I'll definitely call in. And she is she's done makeup for the stars. Yeah, and uh, she she is and and also. Uh, <laughs> Her husband, 
sadly enough, died of, of sepsis. Septus. Mm, yeah. I had that. Oh, wow. I was in the hospital for like five or six days. So, yeah. you know, so things, nothing is ever just absolutely perfect. And even the, the stars will tell you um, that even though they pretend that everything is perfect, nothing's ever. Nope, nothing but is. But if you can ride above it and yeah. continue through it and have fun and, and live your passion, that's that's all you can do. That's all you can do. Yeah. Well, it was a great show, Kevin. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us and all of our listeners. Well, I hope it wasn't too boring. No, not at all. I know my sister's still listening, so that's good news. Thank you, Karen. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thanks for cheering him on. And, you know, for anybody who's listening, definitely like this podcast, share it with others. And we look forward to bringing you lots of great people coming up. Indeed. Matthew? Thank you very much. I just want to throw in my books real quick. I do Matt Shea books, S-H-E-A, and my website has a lot of free stories. And the first radio interview I ever had was based on a book called Chase, A Special Person and the Discovery of Teddy Downing. And this is basically six short stories of each person, and it sort of encourages us to pick ourselves up and move on. Everything's okay. By the way, if you want to go to uh, myindependentreport.net, there's a link there to uh, um, um, Girl, Power, Girl Power Sport. Have you looked at that yet? Yeah. Oh, there, did you link it? No, I have not. Yes. Just, no, I'm excited. Okay, yes. I'll look, check there, it out. I'll show it to you as soon as we Great. get out the air. And there's yes. also a link to Mac, Matt Shea Books. Fabulous. So you can go to myindependentreport.net, find out who the guests are that we have coming up. And I really appreciate you guys. I, I, I hope that as time goes, we just continue to, to grow and grow and, and get to the point where we can legitimately help people live their lives just a little bit better i think I we're it. doing it right now kevin yeah thank that you kevin thank you for leading us and yeah. letting us be a part of this oh it's it's, it's you you're old enough to remember mickey rooney and uh Very well. and shirley temple it's like hey i got a barn i got some lights let's put on a show <laughs> that's right. what we're about <laughs> so <laughs> thank you guys you have yourself a wonderful day and thank you for being here Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.